0: You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen.
1: Welcome back to Dear Parliament show on CHI FM. And if you want to send us a, a message, um, and the question today was, should, should we focus more on privatizing uh, state-owned entities and, and government services, or should we place more emphasis on more government Control and cleaning up our state-owned entities, let us know on 34519. And as I said, joining us today is Gideon jube from dear South Africa. And we're going to chat today and look at the news behind the headlines. Good day, Gideon. Trust you're well. Welcome to the show.
0: Rob, I'm doing great and yourself. And it's always um, interesting to come here and talk about these things. And uh, there's been a lot going on.
1: There certainly is. <laughs> I'm just reading through the headlines over the past weekend. I read it. It's. I think yesterday I had a little mini breakdown, falling, falling to a very dark place, very dark and dry place with no, no water, no electricity, and no access to the outside world. It's, it's really depressing. But what do you think is really going going on here with with the load shedding and water shedding? Is South Africa on a, on a one-way ticket to, to I don't want to say hell, but a one-way ticket downhill?
0: Well, the answer to that is both yes and no simultaneously, and that's the infeerating part to it. So when we look at uh, the electricity situation, ESCOM itself, um, I think we had several good chats to Martin von Staden about it, and, and he explained quite articulately why these failures into ESCOM were baked in almost from the very beginning. And they've now been sufficiently mismanaged um, due to state capture, due to uh, our mafia state, for want of a better word, because that's a beautiful description of what it is, into a point where not only are we dealing with, with wide-scale sabotage of existing infrastructure, the infrastructure is already old and crumbling. Uh, a great example of this degree of mismanagement is the saga pertaining Kubrick's life extension that just seems to be... I wish I could call it a comedy of errors, but it's just, it's not really funny. And it's one disaster after the other, um, of things that should be perfectly in hand and, and structured and, and well managed. And it's, you know, once you extend that, extend that picture and extrude to it, to, to a level of looking at the overall electricity provision infrastructure, whether we're talking about it, uh, transformers or high t- tension lines spanning the country, it's actually no surprise that we are in the dire straits we are. And, and I'm, and I'm rather surprised it's taken this long for it to really get to where it is. But, um, I'm not in the belief that Eskom will be able to get themselves out of this hole. And, uh, we've, we've spoken about extensively that the only way out really is full deregulation of electricity provision and supply in South Africa, mm-hmm. that the private sector can come in, which is why I'm telling you it's both on the way down. But also on the way up. And unfortunately, it seems the only way that things are going to recover is if the, the crisis gets sort of untenable enough that, you know, government gives up its hold. But in other areas, it seems to wanting to be using a crisis to centralize its hold. And I think you mentioned something like that to me rega- regarding the water situation.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. And government does seem to be wanting to centralize everything, which seems incredibly counterproductive. The best way or any any government to to get out of a mess, especially a financial mess and huge debt, is to sell off state-owned uh, entities and state-owned businesses. Makes perfect sense. Government can then offload it. We, as we've seen in South Africa, they mostly are, are failing, need constant bailouts, and I think SAA might be an absolute perfect example of that. We threw absolute billions into it as yep. as taxpayers. And it made no difference whatsoever. But, uh, private airlines seem to do okay. They didn't suffer at all. And, uh, mostly on a much tinier budget, which, which just shows that, uh, private, uh, private entities are far more efficient and better managed and more sustainable in, in the long run. And what takes me, but I'm taken aback by this, uh, government notion now to introduce another state-owned entity to control water, water distribution, water management, and pretty much everything about it. As you say, centralizing the whole water industry. And that seems, again, counterproductive. It doesn't make sense in any way whatsoever.
0: It's almost comical in the sense if you look at what's happening in Johannesburg right now, where large parts of the city are just without conventional water supply. And, I mean, we're sitting here with the biggest metro in South Africa, where up to half of the city is now reliant on, on water tankers and emergency water supplies. And what, what's the reason for that? If we had to boil it down to one thing, it's the fact that infrastructure was centralized in the hands of an authority that actually neglected it to the point of, of where it, we now sit, where we sit. I mean, the dams are full, but the reservoirs aren't. And the reason for that is because the required components that are needed to keep those reservoirs full and as well as to distribute the water to the, the residents uh, is broken down and, and in pieces and a complete shambles and there doesn't seem to be a plan to fix it. And the problem with the situation like this is if you neglect infrastructure long enough and at large enough scale, you ne- neglect it to the point where it becomes irreparable. You can't repair or fix it anymore, and your only option then is to actually fully replace it at, at astronomical cost that the government may not even be able to pay. So the last thing we need now is, is for them to centralize water, even water provision even further. Um, I did read through some of these proposals, and there were even talks about um, making people pay fees for for their groundwater usage and, and, and their rainwater that they catch, which is abs- just absurd
1: yeah that is absurd I, I saw that as well. It was charging people for the usage of their boreholes. It kind of reminds me of charging people for their their solar seems to be the same thing instead of encouraging people to uh, privatize their their own usage and and own production. we seem to be decent uh, de incentivizing it instead of incentivizing it, which is a major 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 mistake on on the government's behalf but why why do you think they, they are going this route? Is it, is it total control?
0: It's also money. So think about it this way. The government has long enjoyed a highly protected and unnatural monopoly on the provision of electricity and the provision of water. Now, because it has neglected the infrastructure to such a degree and it's uh, correctly managed it and, and, and it's uh, all gone to, to a shambles, People can no longer rely on that infrastructure, on that service provision in order to stay alive and make a biz- or, and, and do business. Uh, so what do people do? Those who can afford it, look for alternatives. The downside for government is you have now fewer people straining your broken system, but equally you have fewer people who are now paying you for the use of your broken system. <laughs> so what do you do? You have a revenue shortfall. Um, and of course we, we won't address this in a rational way by sort of cutting expenditure, letting people go, uh, breaking up our monopoly, selling parts of it off. No, we, we, we want to have our cake and eat it. So we've already punished people, uh, by making them at great personal expense sort of get semi off grid, for want of a better word. Now we need to find them for having done that. Uh, it's, it's like I said, it is the most absurd of absurd, and this is where the public's input and their comment on these types of mm. issues are are so vitally important.
1: Oh, I couldn't agree more. There, that they, they definitely are. The public definitely needs to find find their voices and and actually realise being. I would, I wouldn't even hesitate to say we've been conned. We've been conned by by government. I'm reading through, through reports here. That say, especially on the cutting water usage. The average water usage per person per day is apparently over 300 liters, 41% of that water to, to consumers and therefore justify higher rates, levies, taxes and so on to make up for this apparently 88 billion rand that they need to fix the housing infrastructure. Now, as you say, it's, it's down to lack of maintenance over many, many, many years. And if they'd kept that maintenance up, if there was less corruption in government and money is going missing, perhaps we wouldn't be in in the state at all. Really, I I think we should be privatizing everything. Um, Do you believe that that privatization is a good thing? I know I've put the question out to our listeners, but Hideon, do you believe that that it is better?
0: Well, here's the thing. Uh, There's a caveat to that. Privatization is a fantastic thing. So long as there's sufficient competition and we don't just privatize uh, a, a piece of infrastructure, give them the power of monopoly and then hand them over to government-connected individuals and entrepreneurs to run uh, because then we will be sitting with the exact same problem we're sitting now, only it will be uh, in, in um, inverted commas a private problem. Um, as opposed to being a, a a one directly caused by government, so we do not want a private corporation that 's captured by the government uh, to to be taking over what you want is you want proper competition, consumers to have a choice and a uh, the privatization of this service provision in the in the very real sense of the word and it will work it most certainly will work we 've seen it in many other spheres of <clears throat> of public administration i mean nobody Use a telecom and the government for telecommunications anymore. Um, we don't use government banks to do our banking, although mm. s- certain banks, uh, seem to be giving about the same level of service these days <laughs> as the government. No one <laughs> uses the post office, uh, for parcels and, and, and letters <throat> and that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, where privatization occurs properly, yeah, in my opinion, it's, it's definitely the, uh, the answer.
1: Well, good. I think those are fantastic examples, especially on, on the post office side. Uh, I was reading an article recently about how the post office is yet, is failing yet again. And, uh, this comes after recent promises, not even six months ago, that the post office is embarking on a new venture. It's going to be renewed. And it's going to be, uh, the be all and end all and dominate the, the postal delivery service. Well, so much for that. That didn't even last six months. But there again, I think that's a brilliant, brilliant example of, of government failure and a definite example of how privatization does work in those sectors. And I think there's, there's different ways that government could go about privatizing, privatizing things. It could be an outright sale of a state-owned entity, but that does bring in the monopoly problem that, that you did mention. Another way would be what government, what our government did with, um, with telecom back in the day, they sort of semi privatized it and sold off shares to, to, to the public and individuals and thereby created a uh, public interest in success of a company and also sparked the uh, competition within the market, which gave rise to other, other telecommunications providers. I, I wonder, would that be possible in, in the instance of, say, water and electricity?
0: I definitely would say it is because, uh, you know, there might be a slightly different approach that's taken because with Watercare, you have already existing infrastructure. Uh, you're not going to get a, a privately built fall dam, for example, but what you will be able to do is privately uh, owned and operated water treatment facilities, uh, pipelines, reservoirs, and you, you can, you know, there are many ways of doing it. You could either choose a Water provider that will bill you directly for your use, or water provider can be assigned uh, either via municipality or a ratepayers association or homeowners association, who else, to service a specific block of people based on who's who's going to be providing the best service. So it can be either individual consumer base. It might make a bit more sense to uh, have groups of consumers serviced by the same provider in a certain area. It's it's very much the same as fibre provision almost. That you have your uh, Octotales and your leapfrogs and your, and your different types of, uh, s- sort of fiber infrastructure owners that are then providing to different areas, but you still get to, to pick between a few of them. So it's probably not going to be as monopolistic. There's a difference between monopoly and monopolistic, monopolistic inferring to there's a, a great many competitors in the market for only a, a few consumers. Um, you're probably going to have a thing that's closer to the airline industry where you have Five or six possibly uh, private companies providing the service but there's there's enough competition there and enough self interest to make sure that you look after your infrastructure and that you expand it you and you service the needs of your your consumers
1: mm, those are absolutely great points and it, it kind of brings to mind the the problem that is facing right now by uh, splitting it apart into generation distribution and and uh, whatever the other one was but that could be a, a, a great way for for it to go where government still uh, manages the distribution of of services such as uh, electricity, but we have private the private sector uh, handling the generation, and then you get you get to choose, but then still pay a, a, a uh, let's well, say distribution uh, fee from from government. That way, government has has a say in it still has a stake in it, and so on. And I'm sure they could do. The same with, with water. Yeah, I don't think the, the private sector could possibly replace water infrastructure. It's just, it's too, um, it's a mammoth task to do that. And it takes incredible amount of money. But there, there could be, uh, certain sectors or, uh, certain, um, paths along the delivery process that could be privatized and therefore maintained by, by the private sector. It's a long conversation. I think we could go very deep into that. Perhaps we should.
0: Well, we can. And, and the sense of one way of getting around it is that you could always say, well, the municipality becomes the owners of the infrastructure, but the servicing and the maintenance of the infrastructure and the expansion of it then becomes the domain of assigned private sector organizations and firms who, you know, again, we're stuck kind of in a tender process, which if you have a, if you have a, a, a useless, rubbish and corrupt municipality, you're not going to be winning much there. But at the same time, and we've seen ratepayers associations and homeowners organizations and and, uh, individual citizens succeed in taking ownership of these aspects of the municipalities if they're active enough. And if they are involved in their own governance and the management of their metros or their towns, you can take that power away from the municipality and you can actually start having a say in where these contracts are assigned and who the responsible people are. And in that way, you know, you might not have a heck of a lot of competition, but you at least have the private sector looking after the infrastructure, expanding it, maintaining it, and you hold them to account with clearly communicated and set sort of contractual obligations, uh, which is probably not happening at municipal level at this point at all. Um, and if it is, uh, I'd be quite concerned if, if this is the end result of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the best way – or the private industry to get involved in in the water the water game it would be to, to perhaps focus on um, let's say uh, water cleansing and um, and so on. the sewage plants could definitely use a bit of private sector help there and they bring up the quality of, of the water where wherever they can still let government distribute it uh, obviously there's natural resources. Which government needs to needs to control uh, efficiently and sustainably, but when it comes to the quality of water, I think there is a great opportunity for the private sector to 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 jump in there and and make a make a dent in it. Water quality around the country is definitely on the decline, so there are major opportunities and there are always major opportunities created by a failing government let's let's not ever forget, ever forget that. We should stop moaning about the failures and rather look at the opportunities created and what an opportunity this is.
0: You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen.
1: And welcome back to 101.9 High FM. And today in the Dear South Africa show, we're going through another session of the news behind the headlines And it's with Gideon Chibe, who's the CEO of Dear South Africa. So Gideon, there are many, many strange articles out right now with obviously catchy headlines, but maybe these headlines don't actually mean what they do. I just saw a headline uh, on the Sunday Times, which was food aids portfolio coordinators for Ramaphosa ministers. This is again part of the whole Benefits that ministers do do receive from free electricity, which is now being shot down, which is great, but they still receive 5,000 Rand uh, assistance towards the electricity and other costs. And ministers (coughs) get an immense amount of of benefits above their quite ludicrous salaries. They enjoy up to 800,000 Rand uh, for vehicle expenses, travel expenses. Other, other expenses, they've got uh, assistance, they've got aides, they've got, uh, anyone to help them. And all of that costs the taxpayer huge amounts of money every, every year. Is all of this necessary?
0: Well, I'm, I'm going to say emphatically no. We have one of the most bloated and overstaffed cabinets in the world, uh, with ministers and deputy ministers. And to this day, I'm not 100% sure what exactly a deputy minister does. Uh, if any of the, the, uh, listeners has a clue, I would appreciate if they could enlighten me. Now, we have these, uh, individuals, these, uh, honorable members of parliament earning in excess of, what was it, 2.4 million rand a year, mm. roughly. And, and that's excluding, you know, the perks of free water and electricity that was, uh, that was the latest amendment. However, they're also being offered new positions. Um, I think, uh, in about the 28 ministerial offices that um, uh, there will be four more aides employed per office, which m- brings a number up from 11 to 15 per office. So four new positions in each of those offices, it's stuff like driver, messenger, food aid services, registry clerks, portfolio coordinators. These are just the job titles. Now, what I find Dubious about this is, is obviously these, the salaries for these support staff vary between 850,000 to 1.15 million a year. So they're very, very well paid support staff. Um, bear in mind the average take home salary for, um, in South Africa for salaried employees is about 20k a month only. So you have these extremely well paid additional support staff. Yeah, I mean, as a minister, you have 15 support staff now. It's, it's, it's r- ridiculous. That someone is, brought, someone brought up the idea that the ANC can't pay their Latuli house salaries. And isn't this a way for them to redeploy the people working for them as a political party into the public service and that the rest of us that pay taxes just pay for them now instead. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's
1: incredible. It, it is. It certainly does seem that seem that way. I mean, I mean, surely, surely the aid to to a minister is the deputy minister, and as you say, nobody quite understands what a deputy minister does. So, really, that, I, I I remember from the politics days that uh, you had a, a a general secretary and then a deputy general secretary, and the deputy is supposed to assist the the general secretary and do all the the, the dog work as such, but. Why you need all these, these, how many did you say? 15, 15 yes. staff is un- unbelievable and highly paid as well. Makes no sense at all. But that does seem to be a, a common trend with, within government. It's just creating jobs out of thin air. And look at ESCOM. Uh, I saw a, a headline recently that shows how ESCOM is so overstaffed. It is, it's, it's ridiculous. And that all started with the uh, jobs initiative ESCOM ESCOM Created jobs Out of Out of thin air They hired people That had no qualifications They uh, Employed them For no No reason Other than to Fill Fill the BEE quotas And that's That's Horrendous It's horrendous Because Number one It completely goes Against the objectives Of Of BEE And It certainly Doesn't help Anyone In in the long run And of course that burden is created by or is held up by by the taxpayer. And that has led to the problems within ESCOM, ESCOM today. I think the estimates were that ESCOM is uh, 66% overstaffed, which is absolutely insane. 18,000 people who, who, who sit in the ESCOM literally <clears throat> doing nothing, literally doing nothing because they were just hired to fill a, a, a government policy or meet the standards of government policy. But there again, what do you do How, how does the government actually create jobs
0: well uh, this is the, the the real kicker, and then this is something I think a lot of people don't understand is government shouldn't be creating jobs at all it's It's not the government's place to actually create jobs um, It's worrying that the state is the biggest single employer in south Africa's economy mm-hmm. um, because what you actually do is uh government isn't qualified to do most of the jobs it thinks it should do um it's far better to leave that in the domain of the private sector private entrepreneurs specialists firms people who who know exactly what they're doing and are specifically qualified and are doing it for a profit motive which means that for you to make money you need to be pretty good at what you do and and you will be held directly accountable for it whereas you know we don't we don't hold any of the government service providers directly accountable we only hold the the sort of most extreme Supervisors at the very top accountable once every five years, so no um, the answer for 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 government creating jobs is no, they should not <laughs> they, <laughs> uh, they should preferably deregulate a whole bunch of things and get out of the way and allow the private sector to uh, for their profit motive in- increase their activities of which job creation is a a very welcome side effect, but uh, definitely <laughs> never the primary focus which. Uh, although that that seems to be difficult to get through to people sometimes,
1: it definitely does. I mean, that's just as you say. There's another another feather in the cap for uh, for the pros of privatization. The, I, I, honestly, I've seen arguments against privatization, and quite quite to be dead honest, I think they, they they're quite weak arguments. Most of them centre around jobs, funny enough, and uh, the argument there from. People who, who see privatization as a bad thing is that jobs will actually become less or that it's under threat because uh, if a company is not doing well in the private sector, it just retrenches staff, whereas government has to keep them on. But I think in South Africa, and especially in the case of Eskom, that that argument is kicked right out of right out of the water <laughs> straight away. Uh, the, the other the other arguments from from the people who, people who are against privatization, is that it, um, uh, public companies can be sold too cheap to private corporations. Now, we have seen that with the sale of, of SAA. So is that also the bad thing, or should government be selling them for, for the proper value that, that they are?
0: Well, you should definitely be selling your asset, whether you're government or private, for a market-related price. Um, and a fair asset related price and what happens with government here is they identify probably people that are well connected to them uh, and selling the asset at a at a lower price than market value makes sense because everyone can can get a kickback right and it's it, it, there's certain other issues attached to it with regards to the fear of job losses you know when you privatize if there are jobs that are lost in the process of privatization, but the, the uh, organization operates more efficiently, then we have to ask ourselves a question, how much are we willing to pay extra in order to give people jobs that aren't actually required to be there? And are we happy to foot that bill as opposed to us ourselves as taxpayers and ratepayers rather using that money? Um, to, you know, for, for the benefit of our families or, or other societal needs that we've identified. So I, I always try to put it to people who, who are, who are very touchy feel about this. I say, well, let's say we privatize and there are some jobs lost in the process, but you save a good chunk of money off your, of your rates. Would you rather save that money and then donate it to your favorite animal charity or to, uh, whichever other charity you feel extremely strongly about or cause or would you prefer government takes that money and pretty much (laughs) just squanders it which is what they're doing the choice is up to you of course
1: I think that's quite a a rhetorical question I think everyone knows the correct answer to that one definitely don't give your, your money to the government and yeah just look around you and you can see why we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back
0: you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson because democracy doesn't just happen.
1: And welcome back. And Hideon, it's been an absolute fantastic chat as usual. Any any final words you want to say before we wrap up?
0: I think the usual thing that I always say when we talk is uh, please be an active citizen. Take ownership of your democracy. Look at these issues that we brought up today, there's a great number of things that are directly attached to it out for public comment right now, where the voices of citizens are going to be key to determine whether or not bad policy is passed, or or rather prevented from passing or good policy is indeed passed, so um, never despair at this, You, you have an incredible amount of power as a citizen use it, use your voice, it does matter
1: Certainly wise words Then I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Although I might be a bit biased in, in, in my projection there, but. <laughs> <laughs> as, are we no, are. As, as we all are. are, absolutely. Hideon <laughs> has been lovely and thank you so much for coming on and looking forward to, to our next chat. Thank you so much.
0: Any time. Take it. Lovely. You too.
1: And that brings us to the, to the end of the show. And as, as Hideon says there, you have to be involved in in your democracy. There are so many policies out now that affect you and your your life in a personal manner, affect service delivery. Some good proposals from government; it's not all bad. But you have to be involved and have your say, even on, on the good policies that that are put out. There's always room for improvement. So don't forget to uh, visit dearsouthafrica.co.za. Have your say on whatever. Grabs your attention and make a difference. Take control of your democracy. And if you missed any of the show or want to catch up on previous shows, feel free to visit the Chi FM website on kyfm.com. That's C-H-A-I-F-M dot com. And you can also catch up with the podcasts which are available on Spotify. And thank you for listening. And Remember to stay democratically engaged, active and responsible. Ciao for now.